The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. It is Wednesday, December 30th. That means two things. One, oh, buddy, it's about to be 2021. We can kick this crappy year behind us. We're rolling right into the new year, but more importantly, it means it's a Brady Quinn football show. <laughs> Woo, what's, what's up, up, Will? How you doing, buddy? Hey, you know, it's funny. Everyone's ready for this year to be over, and I'm kind of like... All right, cool, but like, is it is next year going to be that much different than this year as see, it looks? Like- see, I I agree with you, and I think there's like a sense of like, okay, you know, the the turning of the calendar year will change everything. It no, it, it's an arbitrary no, date cr- created by old <laughs> like like ancient people from ancient times. Like nothing's going to get better just because. It's January 1. Sure, there'll be a sense right. of renewal, and we'll all jam down some black-eyed peas and collards and some ham and bacon and whatnot, and everybody will feel like they, they're turning the corner and resolutions are in store. But nothing's going to change. It's going to be the same for the next six months. Buckle up, folks. Just going to say, it's until we get to a point where people are able to dine out and inside and not wear a mask and all of that and go to go to sporting events with full capacity – not have to be six feet away from each other having a conversation and then doing like an air shake, right? And be like, hi, how you doing? Good to meet you. Or, or the pat. Like now I've realized the handshake's gone, buddy. Handshake's gone. gone. It's gone. It's all about like fist bumping. And I'm like, this is terrible. I like, like this it. is, you can learn a lot from a man when you shake his hand. And so now I feel like we've went, ventured into a, a, an era or a time in, in human civilization that we don't have the ability to dissect someone just from shaking their hand. That's a scary world to live in right now. Now, see, I, I've got a, I have a pretty good handshake, so I'm not necessarily worried about this, but I will say that, you know, look, I mean, I'm not exactly a, you know, pr- professional quarterback here with like, you know, uh, you know, Brady Quinn size mitts. Like, you know, I don't, I don't, are you worried about the size of your hand? No, 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 no. But about? I, but I mean, like by, by g- the general nature of it, like, all right, what, 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 I mean, you know what size your hand is because you got measured at the combine. I'm guessing you're like a nine, <laughs> nine and a half, maybe a ten and a half. I think it's, it's ten and a quarter. Ten and like a quarter. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Oh, all right. You, uh, you fit yeah. in the, the Josh Allen big hand size club. Um, I'm not going to measure mine now. I don't have a tape measure up here. There's no need to, to find out. Um, I'm guessing nine. <laughs> are, and, you, are you sure? Are you sure you don't have a tape measure there somewhere? <laughs> I'm guessing like nine and seven eights. Who can really tell it's, how? <laughs> it's, it's your man cave. I mean, you might have it out there. Just, got, a, got a ruler sitting in my desk. It. Yeah, just in case. You know, you're wondering, if, is, is it as big as it was back in high school or college? Is there some shrinkage? You know, it's happening. Are you talking about my hands? Are still talking about, yeah, uh, I'm talking about your hand right now? Yeah. Uh, but at any point, at any rate, like, look, there's a natural, you know, like your hand is going to like your hand is gonna is a meat hook compared to mine. So I gotta be more aggressive. It's gonna it's gonna eat your hand. Yeah. It's gonna eat your hand. Yeah. It's and it's not like it has nothing to do with my personal ability to give a handshake. Like I have a good handshake, but I mean you're just gonna be able to I mean over like you know, physically overpower me in the handshake. And so I feel like this has been a like the 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 movement forward with the fist bump and the elbow bump, big up for the for the for the less athletic or the nerds. So Big. Right. I mean, this is this has been a huge win for them. One small thing, this is kind of weird. I don't know why, but usually I try to make sure that like they can feel my index finger or middle finger like halfway up their forearm. <laughs> like when you shake someone's hand. You're like that's right. That's it ten. Is, that's ten and a quarter. That's NFL size, yeah, baby. It's it's like when you when you go to shake their hand and and they're like, my God, like it, like you could tell by the second you touch the middle of their forearm, they're like. They, they almost feel weird about the entire conversation that movement. Like there's a, re, there's a natural, like a visceral reaction yeah. that you see on their face and you're just going, yeah, I got big hands, man. You're like, you're like, shape. you're like you Adrian Peterson. That's why everybody, anytime anyone talks about Adrian Peterson, they have to mention his insane death grip that he puts on your hand. And it's legitimate. Like I've, 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 
I've shaken yeah. Adrian Peterson's hand and you feel like you're, you're going to come away with broken bones. Your hand's a little sore after it. And, but like, see, he gets off on it. He knows it. He knows that people talk right. about it. He knows it. Like, just like you, you know that like somewhere's like, Jesus, Brady just felt up my elbow. Like, 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 he's like, he got like, he got like two knuckles deep on my elbow. What just happened? Like, I'm, I feel violated. Um, hey, real quick, before we start the show, can we get a, one New Year's resolution for you? I was going to ask the same thing of, uh, I was, oh. yeah, great minds. Um, you know, I'm now, I actually, you know what? I, uh, I'll, this is easy. So I haven't thought of any New Year's resolutions yet. Uh, it is December 29th as we're recording this, December 30th as people are listening. So I think mine should be obvious. I'm going to try to procrastinate less and prepare more. And <laughs> ironically, that's my resolution. So I'm going to try and be uh, a little more prepared. I, I would guess that the, I, like, usually we do dry January too. I don't know if we'll do it this year because of, you know, quarantine-ish. That's why you ever do that? Well, you get, you know, it's, get a sense of rebirth and you, you shed some, you know, shed some pounds, flush out your system. I usually just do it before the Super Bowl and then I come to the Super Bowl and hit the Super Bowl hard, as you well know. Um, yes, that's true. Yes. Uh, but, um, so I, and I think I'd like to, and I, you know, I like to approach that in life in general and, uh, and, you know, with the podcast and, you know, my writing, if I, uh, if I write anymore, I don't really write a whole lot. <laughs> I thought you were going to say less tangents. That's what I thought you were going to say. <laughs> ah, please. <laughs> I, well, I, th- I think that I think the more the more preparation uh, part would lead to less tangents. That's true. How about I, you? I'm really. I think my whole. I'm going to try to do less hard drugs. Okay, just try to eliminate hard drugs out of my out of my re- repertoire. Oh, see, know? number two on my list is more hard drugs. <laughs> so, uh, I, I, I obviously completely kidding. There. Yes, I, obviously uh, I, I'm I, kidding I, as well. I actually well. Maybe. No, I'm I actually, kidding. I hate, I hate New Year's resolutions. I do too. Because I'm like, one, they normally don't last past January. And, and I think most people, they create a list or they make resolutions. By the end of the year, they either forget what they were or they never like stayed focused enough to it to, you know, accomplish whatever they were or, or try to change, you know, whatever's in their life. So I hate doing that. I usually set goals. I've always been that type of person and, you know, short, middle, long term, that, that sort of thing. Um, and so I don't know what that's going to be yet, but at some point I will figure that out. Uh, I also think up to this moment, I also think like in the same vein that we're talking about with, you know, people are like, Oh, like finally to 2021 will save the day. Um, it's like people use these new year's resolutions and I I'm guilty of this too. You know, it's like to, to like it, the goal that you set, the resolution that you set is a, it is an unachievable goal. You know what I mean? It's like, I'm going to lose 30 pounds. No, you're not. You're not like, just get 10 down. Like, let's get, like, get 10 and then 30 can be your long-term goal. Or like, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be a better father. It's like, well, you know, that's a little, oh, shouldn't you always want to be that? Like, right. you need 2021. Yeah. You know what? The, the people who are like this year, a big fan of 2021 coming, think it's going to solve anything are kind of like the same people opposite of the people in 1999 who were so scared yeah. about 2000 and Y2K. Remember that? Yeah. Like they're the same people, but they were scared then of the year turning to 2000. They're the same people who now in 2020 are like, I just can't wait for 2021. It's going to solve everything. It's like, no, it's not. Yeah. The, 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 it's going to turn the clock. The ball's going to drop. It's going to go to January one, 2021. And nothing is going to be different unless you choose to make change. So, right. And now I, I, one more resolution that I want to do. Um, and it does it like, I want to, I want to, um, maybe this is, this will sound kind of stupid. I don't care. Uh, I'd like to incorporate some, uh, yoga and like flex, like flexibility type. Well, just strictly for like golf and tennis purposes. Like I think, oh, like, okay. I just think, Hey, I want to get in better shape. I mean, that, yeah, but, but, uh, but I'd like to get some, some flexibility. Uh, stuff working in. Cause I, I used to do that a little bit more, gotten away from it. And really at this point, my core is more of a blob than a core. So I'd, I'd like to get some core, core muscle exercise there. I think we've hit the point of the show now where we need to move on to some actual football. Okay. Let's do Once it. Once we start talking about your core and yoga, that's, that's the point at which we need to transition. Well, you know what? You know, you know who needs some New Year's resolutions? Dwayne Haskins. That's who needs some New Year's resolutions. Cause Dwayne Haskins, in fact, Literally seconds after we started recording this, 
Uh, it was reported by Mike Garofalo of NFL Media, and I assume this is probably up on the NFL waiver claim list, but I haven't looked yet. Dwayne Haskins unclaimed uh, through waivers. He had two years left on his rookie deal, which is just wild. Uh, I think $1.85 million and $2.2 million fully guaranteed by the Washington football team. So not yeah. a huge surprise that he went unclaimed. Um, before we get into that, the whole transactional issue, I mean, man, you know, look, you, you followed the Browns your whole life. You've seen some quarterbacks uh, flame out in the last 10 years with Cleveland, uh, Johnny Manziel and Brandon Whedon. I mean, where does Dwayne Haskins rank? Where does Dwayne Haskins rank among the flame out quarterbacks of the last 20, 25 years? Yeah, look, I don't think he's flamed out. I think the reality for Dwayne Haskins is this, is he is talented. You know, you can't do what he did at Ohio State uh, unless you're not, right? So the problem is he's he's immature, and he needed another year in college to grow up. He needed probably a little bit more stability during his time in Washington, right? He's played for two different head coaches in two years, two different offensive systems. That's tough for any player to try to endure, now, there's the playing standpoint of things, and that's what I'm, I'm more talking about because, let's be honest, if he had a, a rookie year like Justin Herbert, we wouldn't be having this conversation, right? If he had a second year like Patrick Mahomes or Lamar Jackson, we wouldn't be having this conversation. When you look at the issues he's dealt with, taking a selfie after their first win and missing the final snap, or breaking COVID protocol not once but twice with this most recent event, um, after, you know, getting benched and handling things in an improper manner, you know, those aren't the type of things that Johnny Manziel dealt with sure. okay, off the field. And, and there were a lot more questions about Johnny Manziel and if he would be able to play at the next level with his game and skill set. And those are warranted. Those are real. I didn't have those same questions about Dwayne. Um, now, look, he, he, he hasn't played the part. That's why he's not there. If he did, you know, he, he would be there. I mean, he they literally kept him out of necessity because they didn't have Alex Smith. And now after they watch Taylor Haneke go in, they're like, all right, like we actually don't even need him. And we think Alex Smith is going to be back anyway for a playing game. So the bottom line is I I hate calling it a flame on all that. Hopefully this is a wake-up call. And hopefully it's a cautionary tale to a lot of those quarterbacks who think they're ready. They have one great year or one year in college, and they still have eligibility left. Go back to school, man. Like as much as you think you're ready from a talent standpoint, that doesn't mean you're ready as a man. That doesn't mean you're ready for what it entails to be a, a NFL quarterback face of a franchise. And so I'll actually throw this back to you. If he made the same mistakes in college that he made in the NFL, would we look at it the same way? Or would we be as hard on him as we are? Uh, no, it would get talked about a lot because he's at Ohio State, but it would ultimately be treated as college. Look at that crazy college kid. Like, you know, you got to tighten up. That's a red flag for the draft. But there's 0% chance that he's released by Ohio State. Like 0% right. chance. And yeah, I mean, let me ask you this. If, if, if there's a different head coach in Washington, cause, cause here's my theory on, on the Ron Rivera ultimately benching him and releasing him. It's like he didn't meet what the standards of what Ron Rivera wanted in terms of preparation, um, leadership, et cetera. Literally the polar opposite of Alex Smith. Um, and that Ron Rivera is trying to establish a culture within, within that franchise. He's trying, and he wants, he's putting his imprint on it. Um, I, I think the only way that he releases Dwayne Haskins is if he's been successful enough in his first year that Dan Snyder is saying like, all right, you have, essentially full authority to run this football team as you see fit. Cause I don't think Dan right. Snyder would want to cut bait on him that early. Um, but I do think that Ron Rivera, because it's his first year and it's a hard, like it's a hard sell. If you keep giving Dwayne Haskins, these opportunities, if you've decided you're probably already done with him at year's end anyway, and you just keep bringing him back and, and putting him out there. I think that, you know, you could potentially, I don't know if you lose the locker room, but I think you could, you could, you know, people, you could make people ask questions within the organization. Like, all right, like, you know, is Ron giving him preferential treatment? Cause that, look, that week 16 start he got, that he's probably cut, suspended, benched or whatever it is after the stripper thing, were it not for being the only healthy quarterback. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and well, yeah. I mean, look, they tried to trade him for the trade deadline. Let's be real about that. Yeah. They couldn't find anyone who had any value in him. Um, he's now went unclaimed and wait, you know, for, for the waiver system, which is, is expected. And by the way, there's going to be probably because he was most likely released with cause. 
they will be able to prove that. He's probably not going to get that guaranteed money that was in his contract. So that's the other cautionary tale to all this is in an era like this where you've got these protocols, these regulations in place, um, you, you better make sure you do everything within your ability to, to abide by them. Otherwise, this is what teams can do when things don't work out on the field and you're also a, a nuisance off the field. So, uh, look, it, it's tough. I, I don't think the kid's a bad kid. I don't. I think he's immature. I think, you know, I, I think I question how much he loves football. You know, I think there were some questions after he got benched about him being the last one in, first one out type thing. Um, now that he wasn't the guy, there is uh, obviously he broke proto- protocol then. You know, the way he broke protocol this time around, you know, you look at him and you say, all right, even if he was wearing a mask, does it make sense for him to be out at this sort of event and something like this that's, one, not team-oriented, right? It was more about his friend or something else selfish. Like, he's putting his head coach at risk, and let's not forget, he wears the C on his chest. He was voted as a captain. His coach went through a battle with cancer. Like, all those things come into your thought process where you should say, it's not worth it. And I think everyone who's around him should be understanding to that and what's at risk for him as an individual and professionally. So uh, he's just immature. And, and you know, I, I hope this is a wake-up call for him. And he got drafted to a place where he grew up, a team he rooted for. So maybe getting out of all of that and away from all of that somewhere else would be good for him. Because, um, like I said, he does have talent. He does have ability. He has just unfortunately been kind of thrusted through a coaching change, two different systems, a year with COVID where he's supposed to be the guy. I'm not trying to make excuses for him. But when you break things down, you see throws and you go, wow. Okay, like there it is. He's got some ability, um, but you just didn't see it enough. And, and then obviously with the decision makings off the field, the immaturity, all those sorts of things, that's what's concerning for you. So um, no surprise he went unclaimed. It, now now the, the thing's going to be who's going to take a chance on him and give him a chance just to compete for a roster spot? Like not as a starting quarterback, but like a roster spot. That is a wake-up call to every player that is in his position moving forward. Uh, whether they're quarterback or not, is how they conduct themselves. And and I think it's a good thing, honestly. You know, when Ron Rivera said it's what's best for Washington, what's best for Dwayne, I think he was being truthful. I really do think it's what's best for both parties moving forward. Yeah, I mean, the problem, we saw this a little bit with RG3 in Washington too. Uh, not Certainly not the same thing, but um, the, the reality of how Dan Snyder runs his organization is that you are empowered uh, more so as the – sort of the the face of the you know like you're you're the you're the guy Dan Snyder's all in on you have his ear you're more empowered and I think you know part of that is Ron Rivera I mean Ron Rivera doesn't see him as the long-term answer at quarterback or even the short-term answer at quarterback so what's the point in keeping him around and dealing with the questions that that come with it and I mean do where do you think is a good landing spot for him if you could if you could think of somewhere I mean clearly you know Let's say uh, Jameis Winston signed somewhere else this offseason. Don't hate the idea of him. Yeah, I mean, yeah, New Orleans. He would be great in that system with Sean Payton. New Orleans makes sense. Uh, another interesting one to me is like when I see Dwayne, I think my comp for him coming out was Geno Smith. Hmm. Like when you go back and watch Geno Smith, the way he played and everything else. And the interesting thing was I spent some time around Geno his rookie year. Um, there are a lot of similar qualities. Like they throw a really pretty ball, they can make some special throws. But there's just this level of inconsistency and then immaturity. You know, it was like hard to get him to come in on the off day and be there when he should be. It was hard to get him to show up early, be the first one there and care about that stuff or weight room and all that, right? Like they physically, and this isn't a knock to them, and it's not about genetics either. They they kind of look a little bit, you know, softer. And, and reason being is because you know they don't have the same type of attention to detail work ethic that some of these other guys do. So hey, could use um, a little uh, little little core flexibility exercises, maybe. Yeah, exactly, some <laughs> yoga, like you were talking yeah. about. Um, but Seattle be another place that I'd be curious to see because he's similar to what they have in a backup with Gino, and you know, so he'd, he'd come cheaper, right? Um, and, and I think it'd be interesting to see how he would compete and work within that system for Brian Schottheim, right? I think it would actually be pretty decent there. But I think anywhere where you've got an established starter yeah. and you've got a guy that can come in and, and play from the pocket. Like honestly, I would say, tell any you know pocket passer, Josh McDaniel system, right? Like you can't tell me he can't throw better than what Cam Newton's displayed right now in New England. Uh they're obviously gonna be looking for a quarterback. Why not kick the tires on a guy like that? You know? Um now he, he needs some help. I don't know that him going to that roster with wide receivers is any better than what he's dealing with what he dealt with in Washington. Oh, it's worse. Um so Right. It's worse. And that's, that's part of the issue too. It's like, 
we act like, and even though Alex Smith had some 300 yard games this year, we act like they, they've supplied him with a ton. I mean, Terry McLaurin outside of him, they really don't have another complimentary piece. Like Logan Thomas has gotten better as the year has gone on, but outside of him, JD McKissick out of the backfield, Gibson out of the backfield, who, who are you really saying like, okay, we can rely on this guy. You know, I mean, Steven Sims steps up at times, but I just, you know, I, I think he was given a pretty bad shake for a guy that, Honestly, it's coming into the league where you've got to be more athletic. You've, you've got to be able to move. And that's just not really his game, even though he showed, you know, sometimes the ability to move better than I think he showed at Ohio State. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree. It's, you need an established quarterback, uh, with a, with a culture that can help him develop maturity. And I think your point about sticking around, like he should have stuck around Ohio State for one or two more years. 100%. And if that he, was, that was his biggest mistake was leaving early. And, I think Urban Meyer would even tell you that, you know, from the conversations we've had together. And, and I called a number of their games that year and he did get better as the year went on, both as like a player and as a leader, like even the way he communicated and handled himself in production meetings. But I think anyone there would have told you that he needed another year of, of kind of growth and, and maturity. And that's just something that these kids don't care about anymore. And they list these agents too, Will. Like that's the toughest thing is how badly these agents influence the process and now you see kids who are sitting out bowl games that they really don't have any business. You know, like they're good players. They might get drafted mid late round. And I guess you could make the case, well, if they get injured, they're not going to draft it at all. But all right, is, is, is there, is that injury that, you know, really going to be that different as far as whether or not they get drafted all together? I just, I don't know. It, it's a weird deal now and from college to the NFL. Yeah. I, it's, it's a whole, it's a whole different can of worms than it used to be, Brady. Uh, but you know, look, hey, Dwayne Haskins is, as long as he manages him, you know, manages his financials in an acceptable fashion, is set for life. I mean, he made enough money where he can he can live I, off of it. I mean, did he? Like that's what I'm saying is the monies that are still guaranteed to him. I don't I don't think he's going to be able to recoup. They'll, they might, you know, they're going to there's going to be a grievance that's going to be filed because I don't think Washington's going to feel entitled to pay it because of him putting the team in danger. Another the player conduct policy, I'm sure, under the CBA with the COVID rules. He would he'd be at risk to forfeit those guaranteed monies. So that that's where I say like, and I just I, you know a buddy sent me the thing the other day about uh, it was from Ford or GQ and it was how he spent his first million. Now the good thing is is he talked about saving. He talked about all the the good things he did. How he tried to have a, a different bucket for each thing. But you know when he's going through the list of things he bought, his first car was a Bentley. He spent a bunch of money on jewelry. You know those are the things where you're like. All right, like, and he bought his mom a house, um, and that's great, but he didn't count that as part of the money he spent because it wasn't for him. So, you know, is this your buddy or Haskins? This is Haskins. Okay, okay. You know, so and and like, and so five hundred thousand of it essentially was what he talked about his being his expenditures, and the other half was taxes. So I was at least glad that he was like, hey, when you get a million dollars, half of it you already spent, (laughs) Uncle Sam. So he at least knows that much, and he and he had talked about that. So. I think he's going to be fine because I think he's going to be still be able to play football, but it's, he's going to have to earn it from here on out. He doesn't have any advocates for him now moving forward. Yeah. It's, and that's why you want to figure it out and become a backup because there's a lot of good money available. You know, I mean, or yeah, eventually become another <laughs> starter. That, that, that's about finding the right situation though. Cause right. Cause in order to be a long-term backup that doesn't play, you've got to find stability. You have to find yeah. a starter that probably doesn't get hurt or if he does, it's very seldom. And then you go into a really good situation. Like New Orleans has been that place or Seattle's a great place because Russell Wilson's always out there. Like you don't have to worry about ever going in and playing. You're getting paid and you're never put in that tough spot of having to go play without any preparation for that game outside of mental preparation. So, um, that, that's where the best places are for a backup. Like when you talk about all oh, the best back, well, if a guy's lasted around long enough, he either played at a high enough level at some point as a starter. Or he's found a situation where he hasn't had to play at all, and he's just basically there. Like Dan Orlovsky played a long time in the NFL. Yeah, I don't know that he had ten starts. You know, I, it's like the like like I always look back and I'm thinking, I don't, did he have ten or eleven starts in his career? So I, like that's I, a great situation to be in. Matt Stafford's a tough guy. He doesn't get hurt very often. He didn't miss much time. So you could sit behind him twelve for five, career years. starts for Dan Orlovsky. <clears throat> seven of them in the zero and sixteen season. Right. And then you, know, you ran out of the back of the end zone. But I'm just saying, like, <laughs> you know, when you, when you befriend a, a guy that's the starter and he never gets hurt, he loves having you around when you help him prepare and you're, you're close and all that. So Jim Sorge, 
the, Jim Sorgi. The legend, Jim Sorgi, Peyton Manning's backup for all of those years from, let's see, how many starts did he make? Zero. Well, Char- Charlie, it wasn't for that many years. So when he's back up from like three or four? Six. Six years? Six years. That's Now that's incredible. I didn't know that. Yeah. Like him and, and Charlie Whitehurst. Charlie Whitehurst. He attempted the longest oh. in the league without starting, I think, 10 games. Is that, was that what it was? So Jim Sorge attempted 156 <clears throat> passes in his career, six years behind Peyton Manning. I mean, it's just Manning, you know, Manning, Manning liked him and he knew, uh, Whitehurst had nine starts in his career and he played, uh, let's see. I can't do math. Eight years. I mean, that's winning, dude. Like, yeah. to, to not play that much. And he married Jewel. to make the money. Did he really? Didn't, didn't he marry? He was dating Jewel. I don't know. Either way, it's still pretty awesome. Yeah. Remember when Jewel was just like. What song does she sing? Um, There's like one song that I know, like, if you <laughs> sang the tune, I would remember it. Uh, and I will miss you. T- isn't that it? Is that it? Is that it? How does it go? I think it's the words. I don't know if that's the right. Um, beat or it is great. Like if your nickname is clipboard Jesus, you're doing something right. Yeah. Uh, you probably felt like you, you had like divine powers on your side. If you've got clipboard Jesus with you. Yeah. Uh, now I'm, I'm trying to find, I guess he and Jewel did get married. Maybe they just dated. Maybe I, I, you're saying him and Jewel didn't get married. Yes. They did not get married. There's no listing of that. Um, in their pieces of you. What was the? Maybe she had a number of hits. Then am yeah. I missing out on Jewel and like the amount of hits she had? I, she was nuclear hot in like the mid '90s during that folky sec- time when everybody everybody was like like uh, you know nuclear like, hot to who to like you and the frat or like what happened? No, I mean she was. I mean she was uh, just a, like a bestseller. She was making tons of money. Like she was all over the pop okay. boards. Yeah. Like Jupiter Coyote and Jacko Pierce when like everybody was doing acoustic jams and like frat j- frat jams and Jewel comes along and like leeches off of it. Please. You're the best for frat, frat jams, by the way. Oh yeah, I am the king of frat jams. Um, it was, it's, you were meant for me and I was meant for you and I was meant for you. Yeah, well, you, yeah, that's yeah right. we don't that's need right. to be singing this on the podcast. Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll talk about, uh, rest, rust. Oh, speak of frat jams, rusted root. Huh? Am I right? Oh, so sure. on my way. <laughs> All right, let's be back. <laughs> the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers, I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe, the Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing, learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com, call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Okay, so rest versus rust. Uh, this is kind of, this is a really, it's an even more interesting year for resting players. We already know that Big Ben is going to sit out in week 17 for the Steelers. Mason Rudolph will play against the Browns. Uh, interestingly enough, now it's hard to tell how much of, how much that impacted the spread because the Browns were already a seven point favorite with the expectation that Mike Tomlin, who did this in 2017, when he had the number two seed locked up, but could have gotten the number one seed, needed the Patriots to lose and the Steelers needed to win, still rested his guys. Um, 
Andy Reid obviously is going to rest his guys. He, that's, that's what he does. Sean McDermott has, hasn't decided, but as we're recording this, the Buffalo Miami line with a Buffalo minus four and a half came off the board and, uh, offshore, I see it as a, as is like as a pick them a zero, which is a little surprising. That would indicate obviously that, um, Sean McDermott plans on resting some players. You know, they are going to allow to have, so I guess bef- it's, it's different to every team. How, what am I ranting again? You're just babbling at this point. Yeah, I'm just babbling. So rest, rest first reward. First off, you named off a couple teams like Andy Reid sitting his starters because he's done in the past. This year is kind of unique though, right? Because if you do, you're basically giving them three weeks off. Yeah. Right? And so, I don't know. I mean, you you literally played from – you trailed in every playoff game last year. And you have to think this year that, like, that's going to come back to get you as good as Patrick Mahomes is They've, and their offense is. They're the first team in NFL history to win seven games by six points or less in a row. I mean, right? that's crazy. It, it's crazy. And, and, like, I just think it eventually comes back to bite you if you keep getting off the bad starts or you keep letting, you know, not good teams play it close. Like Atlanta, again, coming back from that deficit this past week, they don't have any business, you know, playing Atlanta that close. Um, so – for those reasons, like, I think it's interesting to see what decision Andy Reid makes. Now, I would, I would say generally, you always say this. You always say the, the risk is much greater than the reward, right? Playing week 17 for the Chiefs has no bearing whatsoever outside of them potentially losing a starter that if they're not there in a couple weeks, that, that's really going to kill you. And like, you're going to second guess that decision the rest of your career. So. I think the, like most coaches, if there's really nothing to gain, they're going to sit the starters that they can. You have an expanded roster, so that makes sense. And by the way, these players have never been probably more strained mentally due to COVID than ever before. So I'm sure to some degree they could use the physical and mental break from the way this year's worked out. So like by and large, I think those teams, whether it's Buffalo, Pittsburgh, um, Kansas City, whoever you want to throw into the conversation, if there's not any implications on it, um, you might as well rest the guys and give them that even that additional you know week of rest because if you come out rusty, so be it. Like that's on you as far as your preparation, your players. But the fact that those guys get their healthy to me is always the biggest thing. Yeah. Um. I I guess I don't know, and I guess that's sort of why I'm rambling because I I don't I think there's so much more in play this year than normal. This is not a stock a lock stock situation where you say, okay, we've got to. You know, we want to have a week of rest. We are the two seed. We know what's going on. Like, do you think it matters to the Steelers and Bills? And the Bills can, the Bills can have, the Bills are going to have fans, some fans in the state, in the stadium. We don't know how many they're going to have to get tested beforehand. Um, do you think there is an inherent advantage to the two versus the three seed from the Bills and or Steelers perspective? No, because you don't know, necessarily know who you're going to be matched up with, right? Like, do we know who definitively is going to be the seven seed? No. I mean, you got to wait till the games are played out. So if you knew like teams were locked into those spots, it'd be a different story. Uh, or if you knew you, it could change, right? Like, all right, we're in the two seed, we're playing the seven seed. Well, what happens if it worked out where like Baltimore's the seven seed? Do you really want that matchup? Like for your, for your wildcard round game? Um, now you might be able to avoid it for a week, but you know, maybe you're okay with dropping a game to Miami and, and they get in and that's who, you know, you know, you eventually would end up playing or you drop to the three seed and you'll see who you play then. So there's just too many unknowns. I think to try to like worry about the outcome, you control what you can control and that's getting your, some of your starters rest. And like I said before, like your roster for game day is expanded. You have different considerations. So you can rest more guys than in a, in a typical year. So take advantage of that. Yeah. I mean, I guess, I mean, I'm just thinking about the Steelers. I mean, you know, do you care enough to be the two seed? Clearly not. I mean, it's, there's, it's a negligible difference, I guess. I mean, you, you want to, do you, I mean, do you think about it? Do you think about it like we want to avoid Kansas City as long as possible? I mean, is that the play or, you know, on the NFC side, I guess it does, you know, you don't want to, people, we got a podcast question. People are like, you know, should, should teams be trying to get the five seed to play the winner of the NFC East? I'm like, no, like don't try and, Finagle your way into a certain spot that that almost always backfires on you, and maybe the right. Washington football team's a bad matchup for you, or maybe Dallas is a bad right. matchup. You know, no, and that's where like again, once you're in, you're in. I mean, 
from from being a part of the team that got in before in Denver, you know, and we beat a Pittsburgh team as a huge wild card, you know, underdog. You know, once you you're in, we're I mean, and by the way, we ended on a three game losing streak that year. We finished eight and eight, won the division via tiebreaker over the Raiders, and got in. And we're playing a Pittsburgh team that nine times out of ten we lose that game, but the one time we played, we just had to be better that day. And that was kind of how we felt. Like we felt like we played our style, good, good defense, run the football. If Tim took care of the football, we could make enough big plays. We could be in that ball game and we'll give ourselves a chance at the end of it. And that's how it ended up working out. Um, so, you know, the reality is those slates are wiped clean. That's why I think, you know, if you're looking at the decision for Brian Flores to keep toying with Tua and taking him out so we don't see how he could finish off games. You know, he's doing it because he realizes how hard it is to get to the playoffs. And he's just, he's just living in the here and now. He's like, I just want to get to a point where we're actually playing in the postseason because look, this year has been a great year, a great step. But once we get in, wh- who says we can't do what the Tennessee Titans did last year? You know, he probably feels sure. like the combination of things they have, you never know when they can do that. And that's something that doesn't come around very often. Yeah. Um, so, uh, I agree with you. I mean, I think that it's like, if he's got Fitz and Tua both buying in, I mean, it's pretty tough to get a monogamous well, relationship like, I mean, I mean, a polygamous relationship and, and, like that. But here's the, here's the reality is this, this works for like this period in time, but I think it hurts them in the future. Sure. Cause next year when you watch and if they keep Tua in for the fourth quarter and he stumbles, they're going to be like, see, look, they need Ryan Fitzpatrick or he can't do it. It's like, well, hold on for a second, Jerko. Like he <laughs> never had that opportunity yeah. when he was a rookie. So really this is his first time of being in that situation and having the chance to be able to bring his team back or fight through a bad game, but come back in the fourth quarter. So I just think, you know, Brian Flores doesn't care about that. He's a defensive minded guy. I don't think he cares about the growth of his quarterback because of his perspective. He knows a defensive perspective and they don't value the quarterback position and the growth as much as they should because of how important it is. So look again, it might be working for them now. And let's be honest, if, if Miami lost that game, and they should have, okay, you get a Hail Mary essentially from your own, what, 25? Yeah. That on a blown coverage. On a no look. Where they get, on a no look blown coverage throw where they get a, a personal foul on top of that to give you a field goal to win it. Like, let's be real, man. Las Vegas botched that defensively in every facet. So if they lose that game, are we really looking at that decision like, oh, it, it was the decision that gave them a chance to win? Like, Okay, like how do, how do we know Tua wouldn't have done any of that in that situation? We don't. So I just I hate it for Tua's future and for the future of the Dolphins. People can be excited about it working out now, and they can make it whatever analogy to baseball, whatever else they want. But unless Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to play to his fifty, uh, I just I don't see this being a reoccurring trend. Like eventually, Tua is going to have to be your guy, and he's going to have to pull your team out from those situations. And they did this against the Broncos too, and, and they lost. So, you know, they could be, they could easily, and like you point out, should be, you know, 0 and 2 at this point, yanking Fitzpatrick out. Yeah. Why, if you're, I mean, it, it's just so weird. Like, do you, why did you go well, to 2 in the first place? Think about the Denver game. Think about the Denver game. Locke came back in and have a great fourth quarter. Like, you had in that game an example of a quarterback that you're still trying to figure out what he is. They left them in and he helped bring them back in that game. And so I just kind of sitting there looking at it going, like, look at the dichotomy between these two teams, how they're handling it. Now, granted, I do talk to Vic Fangio weekly and he goes, I don't see any issue with it. And he, he was all for it. And I was like, well, there you go again. Another defensive mind yeah. and how he looks at it and, and not thinking about like what this means for the future years of your quarterback and how he plays in those moments. I mean, you, would you like, you wouldn't teach a kid how to ride a bike and let them, you know, ride with only training wheels and then just be like, all right, now no training wheels. You know, you, you, well, no, it'd be more like, Hey, we're going to ride with training wheel, wheels and okay. It's time to ride the big boy bike, but you're not going to ride. Dad's going to ride for you. Okay? Right. Yeah. Dad's going <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. to okay. come in and ride for you. You can sit on the back or stand on the back while <laughs> right. dad rides. Right. Like, wait, wait, what? Right. Like, and then, that and then, work. and then, and then the next year, it's like, all right, now, uh, by the way, you know how to ride a bike because dad, you know, I showed you. So go on yeah. out there and ride your bike with your friends and, and it'll be great. Yeah. And then you just face and first. It, 
in this busy street where there's a lot of traffic, figure yeah. out how to navigate yeah. that. Like, good, good luck. Go. Hey, wear your bike helmet. Yeah. Uh, Go wear your helmet. Make sure to look both ways when you cross I-40. Wear your helmet and call us if there's any problems. Bye. I love you. You're like, it's, what do you do? Those fourth quarter reps are valuable for Tua. He has to learn how to win and lose in those spots. And here's the thing is people can argue like, oh, well, he gets the two-minute drives at the end of a half. Look, your mindset as a quarterback at the end of a half versus the end of a game are drastically different. Like yeah. you're not operating potentially out of desperation where you have to either score to tie or win. And at the end of a half, even though you're trying to score every time you get the football, in those instances, there's a couple things, right? Like, do we get the ball after half or not? Because if we do, then I'm not going to be quite as risky with the decisions I make because I don't want to give them any additional momentum. I would like to go down and get points and double up, but I also don't want to afford them the opportunity to get the football back drive back down or on a short field, have points, right? And then if we don't get the football, then maybe I am willing to take more of a risk. But, but you know, at the same time, it's not the dire circumstances you're presented with in the fourth quarter. Right. And that's why I just feel like you can never get those chances and those reps back. I know. It's crazy, especially in this year, to take him away from it. It just feels uh, insane. Okay, last thing. The MVP race is – It's over. Okay. I, I think it's, it's – It's Aaron Rodgers. I think so, too. So – I hope people listened to Saturday, Sunday night's podcast, Saturday night's podcast. Yeah. Sunday nights. He's played Sunday night. Yeah. Um, well, we were looking at the odds. I, I can't remember when we talked. We've been talking about, I've been saying to better Rogers for five or six weeks now. Now I personally haven't bet it cause it's not been on my site, but at William Hill right. after the Sunday night game, he was minus 160 to win the MVP. He is now minus 350. To win the MVP, Mahomes three to one, Josh Allen twelve to one, Derrick Henry fifty to one. Here's a plot twist: Devontae Adams seventy five to one, and Russell Wilson a hundred to one. Devontae Adams and Derrick Henry have leapfrogged Russell Wilson, who is minus one fifty at one point during the season. Um, I I don't think he's going to win it, but is there at least a case to be made for Josh Allen? Yeah, of course, there's a case to be made. I mean, I just I go back to this past week's game. I mean, my gosh, man, his arm strength. Like, if Patrick Mahomes and him wants to have a throwing contest, I'd I've watch got my it. money on Allen. Yeah, wow. but I, everyone would watch it. I, I've got my money on Allen. Yeah. Like, I, I'm not even second-guessing. The way the ball jumps on the screen, and, and like almost like the wide receivers and tight ends are like surprised by it, like the drops. It's, I mean, it's, it's incredible. I mean, and, and I get it because – even when he looks like he's just kind of throwing it effortlessly, like the ball just goes. Man. Mahomes, Mahomes um, actually winds up a lot when he's trying to take a bomb down the field. Allen can sling it like 50, like on a flick of the wrist. It's crazy. His, his like 30 yard ropes, which is a frozen rope are more impressive when like it's the way the ball hits the hands of the receiver where like stuns them and they're, they're like their body's like convulsing for a half second <laughs> while they're like, Oh my gosh, that's, that's a football. It's not like some sort of torpedo that's got shot my way. <laughs> um, so I, I just, he definitely has made a world of difference with what this team is this past year. But you know, Aaron Rodgers is playing at a different level. Like he has college stats, like high level college quarterback stats at the NFL level, his touchdown interception ratio is going to be looked at as one of the most absurd things uh, when we look back on this and just how efficient he is and how masterful he plays the position. So I thought maybe Mahomes would have a shot just because of his style of play, but Rodgers has just played at such a high level all year long. And, and, and I think it's a slam dunk that he wins it. Good for him. You know, he, he's, he's largely been viewed as the most talented quarterback probably until Mahomes got in the league. Now it's those one, two. Yep. So it's, it's, it's good that he finally gets, you know, the deserved credit for it. I mean, it's his third MVP if he wins one. So, I mean, it's not like. But you can make the case. like It's like the LeBron James effect. You can make that case every single year that he should win the MVP. How many MVPs has he won? I, I think it's fun. This would be his third. I mean, that's that's a lot. No, I'm, I'm just – well, if for LeBron James? No, Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, right. How long has Aaron Rodgers been playing? Yeah, but okay. I mean, I would I would push back on that because he played with Peyton Manning and Tom Brady a bunch, and uh, sure, but like, but again, like, no different than LeBron James. Like, he's played with some other really good players during his era. But I'm saying, like, year in year out, when you look at the most talented, like, you could usually say Aaron has been that guy. The stats may not always coincide, but there's no one else you watch on film as a quarterback and go, wow. Just the way he plays the position, how he distributes the football. Yeah, that's fine. Um, I would say from. 
2015. So they went 14, he went 14 and one and they went 15 and one in 2011. He won MVP and then 11, you know, he had injuries in 2013. And then from 2015 to 2018, you know, they, when Mike McCarthy got fired, they just, you know, they weren't as dominant offensively. He was very good, but I just, he was never really in the mix. Um, I think it's interesting though, because at one point in the last two or three years, Aaron Rodgers has been written off by a lot of people, just in the same way Tom Brady was at one point. And it's funny to see these guys like, you know, it's, it's just idiotic. Don't bet against Aaron Rodgers because Aaron Rodgers, you know, Aaron Rodgers is shoving it in the nerd's face. You know, like well, now who, who, who won the MVP in 2016? Um, I will tell you. In was second. it Rogers? It was Matt Ryan. You so, know, Matt Ryan had like, a monster year. Okay, Aaron Rodgers led the league in touchdown passes. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, he didn't even make first team All Pro because Ryan did. And like, as good of a year as Ryan had, all I'm saying to you is this: the throws that Rodgers makes year in and year out. He didn't. He didn't even. Home, he didn't make. He didn't make second team All Pro. Drew, that's what I'm saying. Drew Brees like, did. Drew Brees did. Yeah. And, and the guy threw 40 touchdowns to seven interceptions, completing yeah. 66% of his passes yeah. and over 4,400 yards. It's an incredible like, year. It's an incredible year. And like, we kind of just, I don't know, I didn't know where he finished in the MVP, you know, voting a race, but you look at it and you go like, holy hell. But again, it's not so much about stats. Like, I don't know. Anyone could box score read and, and make that case. It's the throws he makes and the way he does it. Like, it's the same thing as Mahomes. Like when Mahomes won his, his first year full-time starting, we were going like, holy crap. Like who makes no, no look passes? Who, who throws balls into windows like this or scrambles make time? Aaron does the same thing when he buys times, the Hail Marys that the way he bounces the pocket and throws a perfectly placed ball for the people he's throwing to. Like, you know, Adams is, is, is Devontae Adams the best receiver he's had over the course of his career? I mean, you've got Greg Jennings, you know, you've got early in his career. Jordy um, Nelson is up there. Jordy Nelson, Greg Jennings. Uh, and who else? But like, no, Devontae Adams about, is probably the best. Yeah, if not Jordy right. or Devontae. By the way, do so you want to do you want to know some... do you want to know the breakdown for MVP voting in uh, 2016? Sure. Matt Ryan, 20, so there's only 50 votes. Matt yeah. Ryan, 25 votes. Tom Brady, 10 votes. Do you think Aaron Rodgers is next? I think it's Drew Brees is next. No, Zeke Elliott, six <laughs> votes. His rookie. Was that a rookie year? Yeah. Do you do you think <laughs> Derek Carr Derek Carr six votes? Aaron Rodgers two votes. Dak Prescott one vote. Like think about that season. I mean, he got two votes. Case in point. I mean, yeah. like I'm so I'm just saying he's been doing this for a long time. By the way, and you know I know they're a ten and six football team, but I just you know again. So my case is this: he he should have and could have probably won more. But for whatever reason, it hasn't worked out that way. Um, and so that's why I kind of compare him to like LeBron James. When we look at LeBron, he can win it every year in the NBA. Why doesn't he? We, we get bored. We get yeah. bored with their greatness. Yeah. There's, there's, uh, it's, it's voter fatigue. And I'll say this too. I do. Th- and I was saying this when Rodgers was five to one to win the MVP. And this is why I was telling people the podcast to vote it is that you can, let's say Mahal, let's say it's a little bit, and I think it's, it's not that close right now. Honestly, I think the, the number, the, Minus 300 plus three to three to one is probably about right for where they are just in terms of the minds of people. But like, if it were closer, I think you could still hear somebody like Pete Prisco saying, well, you know, Patrick Mahomes is going to have plenty of chances to win the MVP going forward every year. He'll be in the mix. It's time to reward Aaron Rodgers. And like, that's not really a good reason, but I, I can see that happening. So I'm not surprised. For sure. Yeah. Especially if he has a vote. Like that's, that's, he does. that's case in point. And that's why this happens. Cause there's guys like Pete who that's the rationale, you know? So it's just, again, I, I don't want to get into it. We can get into the weeds on that conversation, but it's no different than Pete, who I said Cleveland last year was going to be a 10 win team, make the playoffs. And then this year I doubled down. I said, look, I was a year too soon. They're going to be a 10 word team win the playoffs. They now have how many wins will 10. And then they. Oh, hold on. Do you know what Pittsburgh. this is? Do you want to? This is where you dunk on Pete. Okay. Oh. oh what a big jam! A- and so now, as we head into week seventeen, he's like, "Well, they're not in the playoffs yet." You said playoffs. I, said, oh, come I didn't on. say playoffs. And I said to him, "I go, do you not think they're going to win this week versus Pittsburgh?" I said, "Because Vegas does. I mean, they're ten point favorites now, but 
I said, do you not think they're going to win? He goes, I'm just saying. You said playoffs. They're not in yet. I go, okay, Pete, you write, I'll write a blank check, whatever amount you want to bet that they beat Pittsburgh this week. And he goes, well, if they don't win, you're never going to live this down. I go, Pete, you're never going to live down the fact that you wouldn't even bet me $10. And you kept hampering on the fact that you think, you think I was wrong somehow because they hadn't qualified for the playoffs by week 17. Like that's his stance on all this. Right. I think he might be going crazy. He's absolutely going he, insane. And it's, it's either, it's either like, uh, quarantine delusion. It could be, and I don't want to, you know, violate HIPAA or anything, but I think he, you know, maybe like, maybe he, maybe he tested, maybe he came down with something and it's affecting his brain cells after the fact. Who knows? Um, or, uh, maybe it's just general old age and he's losing it mentally. I think he needs to get himself up on some sort of fish oil regimen. You know, it's supposed to help with the brain. I think he, he sits in the bakes of the sun way too often, way yeah. too much. I mean, you think that all of so- colored skin's natural. The, not, the right. sun. <laughs> yes, right. he right. sits in the sun. The sun <laughs> is that the, he's got the sun bottled up in a little white tube in his living room. It's the sun. It's a fake bake. If I know you want me to tag on there, but yeah, no, I, I know what you're pointing out. I'm just saying. It's a fake bake if I've ever Pete. seen one. We should all be concerned for Pete Prisco. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay. That's it. That's the Brady Quinn Football Show. Great stuff as always, Brady. I, oh my God. I, you know what? The next time that we see, the next time we talk, yeah. the world will be changed for the better. It'll be 2021. The whole world will be different, right? The whole world. Uh, but in all seriousness, uh, I hope you have a, I hope you had a happy holidays. I hope you have a great new year. Yeah. Talk to you soon, too, buddy. buddy. Okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.